If you could go back in time and speak with a first century Roman about crucifixions and how the empire used them, what would they say? They might say that, by the cross, barbarian nations are subdued, by it scepters of kings have been secured. Or they might say that the cross grants victory to the faithful over the enemy. If they had said either of these things, they would be absolutely correct. The cross was an instrument of torture that the Romans used to keep subjected peoples, such as Galileans and Judeans and other nations, in line. The Romans wanted to instill fear to prevent uprisings and revolts against them. But isn't that what we as Christians also say about the cross? That it grants victory and subdues barbarian nations? Yes, yes it is. So how can both the Romans and the Christians say the same thing about the cross? After all, one put people on crosses while the other hung on them. The bottom line, for Christians, God's victory comes through defeat. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. I know we started a series on biblical type scenes, and we'll get back to those, I promise. But they take a bit of research to write, and my schedule has been crazy. So keep looking for those. We will finish them. But in the meantime, I'm going to do my best to post other shorter podcasts. Okay. When people find out that I have two degrees in classical and Near Eastern archaeology, they usually want to know about archaeology and the Bible. What do I think about the opening chapters of Genesis? Were David and Solomon real kings? Do we have any evidence for the kingdom of Israel? And what about Jesus and his disciples? Do we have any archaeological evidence for them? Well, the answer to all these questions can fill a library, and indeed they have. But today, since we just celebrated the elevation or exaltation of the life-giving cross on September 14th, I thought I'd talk more about the evidence we have for crucifixion. We know from historical sources, such as the writings of Josephus and Apian, that Romans crucified thousands of Judeans in the first century AD. But it may surprise you that only one artifact has survived into the modern age. In Jerusalem, in 1968, an ossuary was found. Now, an ossuary is a stone box that the Judeans used for burials. Typically, on the one-year anniversary of someone's death, their loved ones would collect their bones and put them in an ossuary, which wasn't a very big box, just long enough to fit your femur into, since that's the largest bone in your body. Inside the ossuary that was found in 1968 were the bones of a man who died in the first century, about the time of Jesus. Upon examination, archaeologists discovered that the heel bone still had a nail driven through it. Depending on how you access this podcast, 
you may have seen the picture for it. Here, in this heel bone, was actual physical evidence of crucifixion. Evidence that archaeologists needed to learn more about how crosses functioned in the first century. On the nail were fragments of olive wood, which tells us that this cross was made from an olive tree. From the direction and relationship of the nail to the heel bone, we can tell that this man's feet had not been nailed to the front of the cross, as we're used to seeing in paintings, for example, but rather this man's heels were nailed to either side of the upright post. Additionally, there's a piece of acacia wood between the head of the nail and the bone fragment, in other words, on the outside of the ankles which acted as a washer that prevented the man from freeing his foot. Think of a washer we would use with a bolt, for example. Archaeologists also examined the rest of the man's bones. There's some debate about his wrist bones. They may show some marks from a nail as well, but many disagree. And it was discovered that his leg bones were broken, similar to the story of Christ's crucifixion. You may recall that the thieves who were crucified with him on either side had their legs broken to hasten their death. From an inscription on the ossuary, we know that this man's name was Jehohanan, the son of Hagakol. Jehohanan is a very unique case. In most crucifixions, the Romans would typically take the body off the cross and leave it out for the wild animals to devour. They probably also took the nails out, since that was valuable metal and could be reused. All of this may explain why we don't have much evidence for crucifixions, despite the Romans crucifying thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of people. We all know crucifixion was a brutal way to die, which is exactly what the Romans intended. It's easy to forget that the Romans were conquerors, They had brutally conquered and were illegally, by modern standards at least, occupying the Holy Land. Revolts against Roman rule in the first century were very common, so the Romans needed a way to keep subjected peoples in line, and their answer was crucifixion. While Romans never crucified their own people, that is, Roman citizens, they had no problems at all crucifying outsiders, that is, barbarians. They were more than happy to line the major streets leading into the big cities with crucified people, which were signposts to remind folks that the Romans were in control. It sent a clear message, stay in line or else. Knowing this bit of history makes the Feast of the Cross even more meaningful. Let's look at some of the hymns we sing for this feast. First one, The cross grants victory to the faithful over the enemy. Or in the original Greek, the hymn actually says, The cross grants victory to the king over the barbarians. Here's another one. Now the same sun conceals its light as it sees you on the cross, destroying the might of death and despoiling Hades, O Lord. And yet another. Through the cross, fallen is the one who by a tree deceived us. And another. The cross through which we have all been drawn to God and by which death was completely swallowed up. And finally, one more. 
By the cross, barbarian nations are subdued. By it, the scepters of kings have been secured. Knowing the history of the cross and the way it was used by Romans may make some of these hymns very shocking. The cross was used by Romans as an instrument of torture and fear to subdue foreign peoples. And that's exactly how the hymns still describe the cross to this day as an instrument of victory over enemies. It is also important to state that some of these hymns, especially the Apolitikion for the cross, was originally a Byzantine fight song. The original intent was victory of the emperor, or the empire, over its physical enemies, the barbarians. From this perspective, the so-called Christian Byzantine Empire was no better than its first-century Roman predecessor, subduing other peoples by force, using fear, suffering, and death as a weapon. But there's one huge difference between how the cross gives emperors victory versus how we as scriptural Christians see the cross as a means of victory. Note here, I'm not interested in how the hymns were originally conceived, or thought of, or even used. I'm also not interested in how the Roman or Byzantine empires use the hymns, or how the institutional church may understand them today, from an institutional perspective. I'm interested in the scriptural understanding of how crucifixion is a victory. From a biblical perspective, the cross is a win, but not in the secular way. It turns everything upside down. So instead of the cross being an image of victory for the powerful, that is the Romans, the cross is now an image of victory for those who are nailed to it. In other words, Christ is not a victim, but the conqueror of death. God raised him from the dead, and the cross becomes God's victory, not Caesar's. The biblical story turns the world upside down so that the kings who once put people on the cross are now the ones who should fear the cross. And the ones who used to fear being crucified can now join in Christ's victory. The point is that the secular world may incite fear by means of death, but that doesn't mean anything to God. God is the only one who can wield the weapon of life. So even if the world is against God's Messiah and puts him to death, God can raise him again to judge the world. And that's what should incite fear in the powerful. Their weapon of choice, pain, suffering, and death, is meaningless when your judge can be raised from the dead to set things right, to put the world right and advocate for the downtrodden. So Jesus rising from the dead is God's victory, and when we put our faith our trust in Christ, and walked away, he shows us that we have nothing to fear. So I pray that you all had a joyous feast day, and that you all continue to walk the way of the cross. God bless.